0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Raised Hunting Podcast. And today we're going to hopefully alleviate some stress out there because we're going to answer your questions. You guys have been shooting stuff in. Some of them we felt like were not full topics for a podcast, but we wanted to make sure that we answered your guys' questions. So um, Warren and Easton have collaborated together and come up with a handful of the questions that we got more than one time. So we were like, we definitely want to answer them. So today is going to be kind of a shotgun approach at answering your guys questions and but at the same time we're going to talk deer hunting. Um it's that time of the year. It's today is October 4th, so we are what we still consider early season. Um for some of you that might be mid-season if you started in September and some of you may not even o- have opened yet. So um but anyhow. So here we go. Um I guess the
1: first one we can address that would be very very easy. Well, do we want to do your thing real quick, the the giveaway? Yeah,
2: so we told you guys to leave us reviews, and we were going to do a giveaway, and you guys did that, so we appreciate you. On Apple, Forrest Dill, you were the lucky guy that got your name pulled, so Free Daja, and I know there's a few others of you that also left reviews. Thank you. We appreciate you, um, and we hope that the rest of you out there will continue to leave reviews. It really helps us out, and uh, hopefully we'll get you, get you in on the next one, but... We don't control what the bucket pulls. And on the Spotify side, thank you guys for sending us the screenshots. It made it easy. Taylor Carney was the winner there. So if each of you guys would just shoot us a message on the gram or Facebook, but preferably the gram, um, just because it's easier to filter through messages with your shipping address and all that good stuff, we'll get this sent out. So
0: Cool. Congratulations to you guys. Thank you for doing that. We appreciate you.
1: Yep. Was there right. any was there any good ones, Nick, on uh, YouTube? Was there a lot? Did you not read them? Yeah, we got to give YouTube people love, too, yeah. but we can't delay the podcast for them, so. <laughs> we'll get you guys on the next one or at the end of this
0: one. All, All right. right. I think so, you can
1: start with the simplest answering one.
0: Oh, let's hear it. What's the question?
1: And this is going to be the furthest one away from the majority of these are around probably whitetails in Midwest. The only one that we don't have would be what it <laughs> actually how he said the, the question was kind of, kind of cracked me up a little bit because he was more, he's just asking, but he goes, what's, what's with frontal shots on elk? So I think that, I just think that's funny how he said that instead of like, do you guys agree with frontal shots on elk or anything? He's like, what's with it, man? what What are these people doing? I'll tell you right now, it's called lack of patience for a good shot and it's, Yeah. You know what? It's really stupid to do. Your your percentage of uh, an elk, I understand a little bit more because it's such a big animal. But at the same time, if you screw up whatsoever, all you're doing is wounding an animal. All you're doing is lodging an arrow that's going to be stuck in a shoulder or making it where you barely slice along if you're lucky. And then he's going to suffer. Like there's all sorts of things that could go wrong super, super easily on the frontal shots. Be patient. Wait for them to turn. If they don't turn, take a different shot and wait
0: i i agree maybe not quite as harshly as the way easton puts it there but um it's just it's not a high percentage shot uh you you got a small window of opportunity there which there is a window of opportunity and a really really close and a really seasoned veteran can make that shot but i I hate seeing people do it and putting it out in social media because then everyone thinks they can make that shot, and it's just tough. I don't care if
1: you're a seasoned one or not. I just I've seen plenty of seasoned, very experienced hunters still screw up on a regular broadside shot. So Absolutely. If you're if you can't do that, I mean, there's it's hunting. It's if you are not getting that adrenaline, you're not getting that emotion, the the mental factor behind it of what it's like to take an animal's life. You probably shouldn't be hunting in the first place, but I'm telling you right now, that affects things, whether you want it to or not.
2: Well, I think they're going to tell you that it is an ethical shot because it'll kill them quickly.
1: If you hit it right. If you and hit it And think about right. how ethical it is when you don't hit it right. Um, and the percentage of not hitting it right is much higher that way.
2: Yeah, but they could tell, they'll, tell you, they'll tell you that you could have that
1: happen with any shot.
2: Broadside quarter away could, or anything
1: that you're you're do the statistics on the amount. I agree. Of, you, we d- could break it up into little fractions and do percentages of how much vitals are covered by a shoulder bone or a leg or a rib or whatever else, and then compare it to the front where you have maybe a softball size to hit. Well, my
2: two my two things to this would be, um, and because I will go with dad as well as far as not quite as harsh. I think that maybe people will think about it a little bit if I put it phrase it this way <laughs> one a lot of the guys that are pushing this that are have kind of made this a popular shot I really don't understand why they're doing it because is what they're doing typically is they're almost they're guys filming they're on YouTube and stuff and they're almost never hunting alone which means they have a caller right and I've been really fortunate that's what pe- a lot of people don't know that dad is dad's an elk guru. I tell him all the time he it would be much better off to just hunt elk than deer cuz he's a really good elk hunter. He's a decent deer hunter, <laughs> really good elk hunter. Ouch. <laughs> but he loves deer more. Anyways, though, my point with that is, is having dad call for me for the last 10 years now or whatever it's been and seeing you call for a whole bunch of other people and things like that. If you have a caller that understands what he's doing, You shouldn't need. You shouldn't have to be taking a frontal shot. Your shot should be broadside, not frontal, because your caller, like you, try and put them on you. But at the same time, you're not trying to call them to the exact tree that we're sitting in. Yeah. Um. And then even if you are, as long as you do your job as the shooter, in most scenarios, yes, you may get the rare one that comes right at you. But in most cases, he's going to go by you. That's the whole point in having a caller behind you is that they're pulling the bull through. They're calling him through you, not
0: to you. Yes, mm-hmm. and
2: and I, I of all of the ones that all the elk that we've killed, I can't think of any that um that I didn't get an opportunity at cuz I wouldn't take a frontal shot. I can't think of a single instance. Um and so now I will say for a guy that is shooting that is hunting on his own, I could see where that could get difficult cuz you're calling an elk to you. to you yeah to so you. you know they're coming right to you i could i have i'm not saying that i would say that you should take that shot but i do have a little bit more understanding where you could be running into that scenario a lot more often for the guys that are hunting with somebody <laughs> change your setup dude don't be calling 25 yards behind your hunter and putting him right in, in his face and then the second thing i would say to that is the femoral artery is a lethal shot
0: that's in the ass end. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think but he's just saying that you can shoot him back there well, too. Saying. I'm saying and the liver is a lethal shot. And the neck is a lethal shot. But why don't we take any of those other shots when if all you can see on an elk is his neck, why aren't you just putting it in his throat?
0: Careful cuz someone will <laughs> and say we told him to.
2: Cuz I mean you're talking it's the windpipe the windpipe on an on an elk is that wide? Right. So why aren't they just shooting him in the neck?
1: That's still about about the uh, like, same
2: thing that you have to shoot at.
1: Yeah, no, not even close. I've got about freaking a basketball to try to hit for lungs versus right. that.
2: Well, that's my point, though. So if you had scenarios where elk were coming in or whatever animal it is all the time where the only thing that you can see is the back leg and you know there's a femoral artery that goes down, you know, quarter part, part of the front side of it right. and that's it just keeps happening and it's a lethal shot. Why isn't everybody just trying to shoot him in the leg? because it's not a high probability right. shot. If you hit it, sure, it'll kill him quickly. No problem, but the problem is if you're off any direction, then now you've just maimed an animal, and it is no different than I think honestly a frontal shot would probably be one of the best ways to to not only hit one but to hit him and screw him up where you're gonna break a leg or right. you know have an arrow in part of his cavity. Um, like I think that that's just – I
1: don't think that shot is fair. I don't think it's worth it.
0: I don't think it's worth taking. I mean,
1: I I will say any of those shots are – especially a frontal or the the old Texas heart shot is a good in theory. Like an elk unit, that's going to be extremely difficult to get that far into them. But you're, my point is if they're facing you or facing straight away from you, you're able to get a blade into everything. Same concept as when it's quartering away a great shot because you're going through everything as long as you hit it correctly. But I'm telling I I would feel a heck of a lot worse when I freaking lodge one in the shoulder and he can't ever get it out or something. Well, and the problem and with it too is,
2: is people forget. They're only showing you the ones where it worked. Mm-hmm. They're not showing They're not you the, show the ones where it Lodged one in their shoulder or hit them low or hit them high or mm-hmm.
1: whatever and didn't find them. All right. So I think we have addressed that one. We might make some people mad, but it's okay.
0: We're not fans of frontal shot. <laughs> I think it's clear.
1: Yeah. Uh, next one we could do. We got a couple of different ones, but I think we should do thermals. I actually put them all together. I put thermals, wind, and then how like certain land structures, primarily Midwest or white tail hunting places like that, because we've discussed Western how you guys read the land, um, but how the wind gets affected by that thermals I'm putting in there because everybody keeps asking about thermals and wind, obviously, and then we can go into that. So what are you doing with your thermals?
0: Well, I think the first thing that we need to address is wind in general, you know, and talk about that's our number one. That's why we have multiple stands in a location a lot of times is because we know we're not going to always have the right wind. And the right wind, regardless of direction, needs to be the right wind for where you're hunting meaning whether you're looking for a northwest wind or a west wind or you're looking for an east wind um you need to understand that's the very first thing that someone needs to understand and I, it's amazing to me every year i run into hunters that still don't understand which way is the wind they don't they're they're reading the weather channel or whatever they're getting app that gives them the weather <laughs> and they don't understand which way the wind's blowing if it's a northwest wind they all of the weather apps refer to that is the direction the wind is coming from. So it's blowing to the southeast, and you need to understand that. I think when it comes to thermals, the first thing that we need to understand is that thermals aren't going to play as big a factor if you have a high wind. Thermals are out, when and, and I, I don't know maybe what the exact – I feel like my number for that where thermals don't I, – I go into something thinking thermals aren't going to have an effect is about 8 miles an hour. I can have an 8 to 10-mile-an-hour wind, and, and some people— you think it takes 8
2: miles an hour to overcome thermals?
1: I think because you know, what— if you think about it, 5, 6-mile-an-hour is basically no wind. As much as it sounds like it's a lot, you can sit there and not feel anything. Are you talking gusts or consistent? Consistent. consistent. You don't think 5-mile-an-hour
2: consistent wind would overtake thermals? I
0: don't think so. No, it's just too little of wind. But but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you when I look at it, I'm because I hate, absolutely hate hunting— Anywhere, I don't care, this doesn't matter to thermals, other is when there's no wind. Yeah. More so than when we have high wind. And high wind I classify as like over 15 miles an hour. 15, 20 miles an hour, you got gusts, and then because you can't hear, things things are moving. However, I would rather hunt on a day like that than a day when there is absolutely no wind. Because when there's no wind, I feel like we become a scent bomb. hmm Yes. Our scent just drops to the bottom of the tree, and then it goes, shifts this way and this way and this way, and then the thermals grab it, and it drifts it down the hill or up the hill, depending on what you're dealing with. So thermals play a huge factor. Well, for, why
2: don't, too, in case there's people that don't understand what thermals are, yeah, why don't you discuss just
0: tell so, so, let
2: people know what thermals are to begin with a definition of them.
0: Um, thermals are the differentiation or the differential of wind having being affected by temperature. That's the be- best way that I can describe it, that as the temperature changes, wind changes. Think of a balloon. Air so, or airflow, maybe. Okay, but a hot air balloon will rise because it's lighter than the normal air, so it rises up. So you get the same thing when you have cool air in the in the forest or in the woods, and you have hot air, then you're war- as air warms, it's going to rise. And it's going to carry your scent. Um, can you see it all the time on your wind checkers? Some of them. Some we've talked about using the...
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's some that you got to get special things to be able to do it with. But not all of them show it. Right. Anyways.
0: Okay. So Easton do not want to divulge his secret. He thinks he's got a secret weapon when it comes to wind checking wind. Um, but so anyhow, but some will show it to you and you will actually see the air rise. Or you'll see it lower. And so what you have to do is take that into effect. Certain topography will change that. Water is one of the biggest ones that, that has an effect on thermals because water always cools the air around it. And so if you think of creeks or a pond or a lake, how, oftentimes...
2: How big of a... And so just so that people listening know, Dad was a firefighter and you guys correct. had to understand thermals.
0: We We for, had to get our red card. We had to go we never fought forest fires but we had to go protect homes but anyhow that meant that i had to go through the courses that teach you about what the wind is doing in the mountains because it's going to affect these fires
2: right um at how much water do you think that we're talking before it actually affects the
1: temperature well hardly know. any guys i was gonna i
0: think say, i think the topography means like you have a steep canyon and there's very little water in it, but it's rocky and it's cool in there. There's no there's no sun getting to that. It's not getting a chance to warm up. It's always cooler. There could be very little water in that where you have something that's flatter. It's more like a river. Um, you know, it's 25 yards wide and the and the sun gets to it. It's probably going to have less of an effect, even though there's more water there. Right. Does that make sense. Yeah, I just
1: know that I've got one spot that is dried up creek right now, and you can feel the temperature difference by getting when you walk down the hill. And I did, I looked at it to see what the thermals were doing, and it's still pulling them, even though there's not water flowing. I think that there's
2: a lot of talk about thermals right now, and I honestly think that discussion is a little
1: overrated. I don't think it, I don't know why it's such a big deal. To be honest with you, I, if you know what your thermals or you know what, a th- understand the thermal? Understand the basics of all you of need thermals. to know. I mean, well, there's not that big deal. Well, but at the same time, deal. too,
2: you're really talking, in my opinion, in most cases, your thermals are only applicable for the first 30 minutes to an hour. Depends and on where you're it. at. Yeah, I mean, on, on, on a day where there's going to be a wind, a standard wind of 10 miles an hour, you really only have 30 minutes or an hour before the wind is going to overtake that. So unless you're sitting somewhere saying that I'm only going to sit here for this first 30 minutes or an hour because of the thermals, and then you're going to go move... Due to the wind, I don't think that there's not even, a lot that you can do about it. If
1: I'm going to have a 10-mile-an-hour wind or something, and I know that's coming, I'm not even looking at thermals. I don't care.
2: Yeah, But that's all I'm saying, though, is usually in the first hour, you know you're only going to have, if you're if your wind speed that day is only supposed to be like 10 miles an hour, I'll bet you money that first hour is going to be like 2 Three miles an
0: hour. It might be a little longer than that, just because as the, the sun comes up, we get a drop in temperature oftentimes. No, no way to uh,
1: know. Sometimes it's windy at night, too, but I understand what you're well,
2: saying. Well, Here I have a second question, though. How predictable do you think they are? Thermals? In,
0: in certain areas, highly predictable. In other areas, not so much.
2: Okay. Because so, I had a spot that I felt like Kill Hill
0: yep.
2: should have been the most perfect spot on Earth, and... That one was 60 feet above a creek. More than that, it was probably 100-some because it was enough that I was scared when I got up there and would look down, so I only looked to the right. (laughs) So it was like 100-and-some feet up there in this tree, and my wind would only go freaking straight into the bedding, and and there wasn't that much wind. I thought for sure that the thermals were going to pull it down into that creek bottom.
0: But the topography changed, overtook the thermals. The, way so the topography
2: land, is more important than than. One hundred percent on affecting wind.
0: On affecting the wind. Okay. I mean, you're when you have a hill like what you what I happen to know that area and to describe it to someone, it is a big drop off that comes that we're kind of running east and west, and so the north south is fairly flat on the east edge. Wait, the where,
2: the cliff runs north and south. Yes. And then you're saying what?
0: So that has an east line that drops off to the creek. Okay,
2: yeah. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: I'm trying to do this so that someone could picture that in their head. And because of that, because the hill is there, that, that wind is coming down and it's swirling off the end of that hill more so than what the thermals can actually grab it and pull it down. Okay. And And, and, because, and, and because of that land too, we notice the wind blows a little more there all the time. You know, there's a little higher, like if there's an 8-mile-an-hour wind, you might have a 10-mile-an-hour wind there. Right. Um, which is a little more than what it's calling for, you yep. know. So I just, because where we have other stands that are up on top of that, they're consistent, really mm-hmm. consistent.
2: So sometimes, moral of the story there, sometimes you're just going to have to sit it to find out.
0: You're going to have to figure it out. Yeah, unless you, or, or scout or when you're Or know the scouting. topography yeah. and
2: stuff, yeah. Because that place you could have a hard west wind, and it would go straight east. Yes. No matter what.
0: Yeah, and I've run it and, and so is there a location out there that you can't hunt? I would tell people there is. And and animals are not stupid. And they'll find those places where they can see one direction and the wind blows out of another and they'll learn to lay there and pick and pick up on and so then you're like you can't win that battle. If they have figured it out, they have found that location, they're gonna use it, utilize it to their benefit. Yep, you got to try and catch them going. to You got to catch them to or from. Yep. And so we've abandoned some spots.
2: I think Bullwinkle well, had done
0: that. Well, that that spot you're talking about, we you called it Kill Hill because you thought for sure we were going to kill every deer in the country right there. Just a matter of which one walked by. We've had to pull that stand completely out of there because it, we can't hunt it.
2: Yeah, it it's probably good because if that one, if that wind had been right, that'd been the most unfair spot. Yeah, it was perfect. So good okay so that's good that's a little bit about thermals i think that is good um did you want to do how to deal with difficult people on public i would
1: recommend uh i would say uh, the only example i was going to give is i had a very interesting time last year and it actually was on private land that i had permission on and that was about as difficult of a time as you could possibly have with a person they were intentionally walking under stands when i'm in them um and I would just tell you that especially, I mean, public, you could do it the same way, but especially if you have permission somewhere to uh, handle it as cordially as possible. Because in this certain situation, I was irate. and I didn't say anything to the, the guy. I actually separated myself from the situation. I got out because I was so mad that I didn't, I just... I was Because he was doing it intentionally. He, yeah, he was pers- purposely trying to ruin my hunts. And so I just got out, let myself calm down a little bit, and I said, okay, I don't know what his deal is with me. I've never even met the dude in person, but I know this is multiple times now that he's doing this and he knows I'm in here. And so I said, just calm down, and then I'm going to go talk to him. Just say, hey, like there's plenty of land here. Let's see if we can figure something out. If Maybe let me get your number so I can... Let you know when I'm going to be somewhere or you're going to be here kind of thing, and you can operate around each other. That didn't fly, and, I'm, and I promise you that I'm not just kind of making myself out to be a good dude here. I actually was very impressed with myself because I figured I was going to blow up, and I was very nice. I was like, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not mad about anything. I just want to talk to you about we got plenty of land here we can hunt, and he cussed me up and down, left and right, was royally pissed, like, blowing up on me. All And I still don't to this day know what the big deal was. But in that situation, I'm not I'm not your typical tattletale. but I called the landowner and said, hey, I'm just going to let you know what just happened because I just got reamed up and down by this dude. Um, and I'm sure that going off of everything else, he's probably going to call you and yell at you about me and kind of stuff too. So I'm just laying it out up front. Here's what happened. This is what was said, and that's how I handled it, and ended up working out just fine. Everything got worked through. Um, I would tell you, though, that's a pretty rare case being on somewhere where you have permission to hunt, and other people do too. Typically, they're not going to act like they own the land. Um, But on public land, I would say Warren has some good points as far as, like, go in early, park somewhere different, try to get somewhere where you're a little out of the way with other people, or uh, worse come to worse, and this is what I'd be doing anyways, I don't hunt public land here in Iowa because I've taken the time to knock on doors. Go knock on some doors and maybe get yourself... Some places you're going to knock on a door, and if you get a yes, tons of people might also hunt it too. It might be even worse than what public land is. But you might find a hidden gem every once in a while where not very many people hunt it. Or a couple people do during one season, and you bow hunt or something like that. Um, and so that's why I I would recommend go knock on doors and just try to separate yourself. Cause I, that's one reason I don't like public cause it's so popular right now. I don't like having to deal with even just seeing people when I go hunting, I would rather see no deer and sit in a tree stand and not see any people. than go see a deer or maybe possibly get a shot and see 10 people walking in. Like I, I, I want to be secluded. Well, I honestly haven't had to deal have, I don't hunt a lot of public, so I don't really
2: haven't had to deal with it a bunch. Uh, Uh, The only instance that I can tell you that I had one time was out west. And this is where you need to make sure that you really know what you're, where you're standing and what you're doing on X. Know where you stand, you know, (laughs) because this dude was telling me that he was an outfitter. He's like, I've leased this ground. I've leased this. You can't be here. And I was like, dude, you can kiss my behind because I walked six and a half miles to get here. I am 150% confident that this is not private ground and that you do not lease it, which the dude was like 84, so he didn't have Onyx. You know, he probably had a map that he had to go and pull out, but, um, which I showed him. I'm like, look, dude, I have just as much right to be here as you do. And uh, so, but that, so that instance was kind of the same thing, but that was just as soon as he knew that I was 100% confident that I was on public ground, he backed off. You know, he was, like, hoping he was going to be able to tell me that he leased it or something and that I was going to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go walk six and a half miles back. So um, I haven't had to deal with that a lot here or, or deal with that a lot. If In Iowa here, if I was in that position, the very first thing I'd be trying to do is be, I don't know if this guy is dealing with another public land guy or if right. he's dealing with a private landowner that's trying to harass him and stuff. The very first thing to me would be just trying to avoid him, you know, mm-hmm. park somewhere different, Um, go in a different way, go in really early, whatever, where he doesn't really know that you're there. Or if, uh, you know, if you really, if he's really, if it's a private land guy that owns it and he's being a jerk and you have a buddy or something, go park your truck there and go hunt somewhere else (laughs) and leave your truck there for a few days and let him just keep doing that while you're not there and you'll probably help you out. So have you dealt with much from probably your old days?
0: Yeah, I was going to say years ago. I th- I think there's some things that people need to understand. I think there's some, they're not laws, they're just ethics. You know, like if you find a tree stand on public, on public ground, don't climb in it. It's yeah. not yours, you know. Now, granted, some people leave stands they shouldn't leave and things like that. And in that particular case, if you wanted to hunt an area and someone thinks that, like, this is my spot, here's my stand, and they're, and they're not allowed to do that, I would hunt that area. But if they're allowed to leave their stand and someone beat me to it, they beat me to it. I'm going to find a different spot. Yeah. You know, so I think that... Um,
1: I think that whole ethic thing of the do right, do wrong kind of thing is non-existent anymore, if I'm being completely honest. As far as, like, the whole premise of if somebody has a stand-up, don't go sit it. Like, I've always thought that way, and I thought it was pretty obvious, and I've... I've dealt with that on private ground where they know dang well it is not their stand, and they'll go sit it because they have permission too. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Put your stand in this tree next to it or something. But like when I go walking into my stand because I've gotten permission here and I've hung it up and he's allowed me to hang it up, I don't want to have to walk in there and look up to somebody else stealing my work. You know,
0: absolutely. And I, I think I mean,
1: that that is uh, um I think that's kind of gone away. The thought of I don't if think it's so. I do, from the experiences that I've seen recently and heard people talking about. It seems a lot more common now. Yeah, but you're always going to hear about the bad ones. I hear about good ones, too, though. Like, they can go leave stuff certain places. But Iowa doesn't – it shouldn't matter. You're not allowed to leave it for more than 24 hours. Um, I
0: don't
1: know. I'd have to read it again unless they've changed it. But you, you can't leave your stands, so.
0: And I and I think that's a good way to handle it. The, and And so basically – when I pull into a spot and it's a public place and there's another vehicle there, my first, my first inclination is I hope that I catch them there so I can converse with them and say, Hey, where are you going? And I don't care if they're going right to where I was planning on going. That's fine. Okay. And then I'm going to go somewhere different, but i w I'm going to try to have that conversation so that we don't screw each other up. I'm not there to battle with someone. Now, if someone wants to get angry with me, um, that I'm there too, then we're going to, we, we, we will probably have words. Because I'm just as entitled as the next guy. That, that's the one thing that we all need to remember. And, and it's frustrating, man. I mean, you'll, you, you're hunting, and this can be private or public, doesn't matter. You know there's a deer or multiple deer in a particular area that you're trying to kill. And all of a sudden you see a truck parked on the next or neighbor's chunk of ground or on public ground but close to where you're hunting, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just doing what you're doing. They want to kill a deer or that deer, their honey. Yep. Yeah. And we have to remember that sometimes that, you know, we, um, you just can't, it, it's not, it, none of them are ours, so to speak. I mean, God put them here and they belong to all of us. So we don't own the ground. We don't own the deer, Yeah, you know? And, and so you kind of have to take a step back and cause the other thing is I've heard of them. I've, I've never personally had it. Um, where, like, someone gets into a fight or people have gotten hurt, and it's just not worth it over a deer or a bear or an elk, or that's just we, we got to hold ourselves to a higher, higher respect for each other than that.
2: Well, I always think it's dumb to people that go and they raise cane on somebody on public because if you do that to me, the very first thing that I'm going to think is there's a tank here. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, where is he at? Where'd you come from? Because right. if, you're, if you're this bent out of shape over it, there is a big deer in here somewhere, and I'm willing to deal with you to go and find him. Mm-hmm. So, and then that was the only other thing I would say, speaking to public, and honestly, more of my experience comes from out west. And I think it's funny, when I look back on Nick and I's Colorado trip, the first two, three days, we ran into people every time. And we were thinking exactly like everybody else. Meaning, and I could tell you the few times I have hunted public here in Iowa, I could almost tell you if I can see trucks there where each of them is sitting. Mm. Before I even go and walk into that property, I can say, okay, there's a guy here and a guy there and a guy here. And I'll bet you 90% of the time I'm dead on. And so my point with that is that in Colorado, until we started thinking different, we didn't get away from people. As soon as we started thinking different, we didn't see anybody until the very last day. So like seven days straight. That we didn't run into another person until the very last day. Um, And a gun season opened. So then we went to like, you know, three, four times the amount of people probably. And so I guess is what all I'm saying with that is when you, if you are in a position where the only thing that you can hunt is public and there's multiple trucks at the parking lot, no matter what you do, take the stuff that everybody else would be like, I'm not, that this is pointless and go sit there. That's what I would do. And I bet you, you'd be surprised. What you see, what you see, yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, these animals aren't stupid either. They start to figure out where people are coming in, how they're getting there, um, you know. And I, I mean, I can tell you that one of the one of the biggest bulls, and I don't mind mentioning it because we you got to draw it, but in the Highwood Mountains in Montana, one time it was all public, and we called in a bull right next to the parking area. Yeah, you know, and we and I had very similar to what you're talking about. I've done walked all over where I thought that we should go and it didn't work. And then yet we get back here in a place where nobody really probably is hunting and this bull comes screaming out of there, you know? So That's funny. Mm-hmm. it, it happens. Um, so I, you know, I guess just, man, to answer that person's question, just don't be that, don't be one of those people, you know, cause, cause you you're going to run into someone at some point that just, Sounds like the gentleman that you ran into in when in your situation, Easton. Some people are mad; may, they may not be, even be mad at hunting; they're just mad at something. Mm. And when he you, had a lot of anger in him, yeah. When you <laughs> run into that person, you're not gonna. They're you're not a Giants fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that was <No. laughs> rough. That was a low
1: blow, man. Dude,
2: if I was a Giants quarterback, I'd be one. Of those okay, people. anyways, I would be mad.
1: Is anyways, anyways, he's a tackle right. dummy. Warren <laughs> distraction. Seahawks were like, this is. This is practice. Oh, my gosh. Go on. <laughs> Tell me you didn't feel bad for that, dude. I didn't
0: watch the game, so I don't know.
1: Oh, it
2: was every play. So I didn't, and then didn't the coach who had the balls to yell at him. Can you believe that? The dude got sacked like 14 times, and the coach is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, "Like they couldn't stop a nosebleed. Okay. The dude didn't even, he just would go, hey, freaking run. Evidently, he is upset.
0: I, no, I like just it.
2: felt bad. I have sympathy. So and I felt bad first. for that. He dude, doesn't have sympathy for anybody. I was quarterback. Else. He's never even met I was Daniel quarterback Jones. in like fifth grade, and I know what that was like. Yeah, yeah. Put <laughs> test every play. Crunch. Yep.
0: All right. What's our next question?
1: Strategy. <laughs> Strat- that was our last one. Oh. What's our strategy? There actually now was a different season. question, but oh, what was it? Because uh, I don't. We didn't get a touch on it last time. How long to wait in an area after gutting a deer? Heard that one multiple times, actually. Yeah,
0: actually, there were some um, ladies at the hunt we were just on in Wisconsin that asked, can we gut them here? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. I, I'll tell you, I don't. I uh, This is a, this one's kind of interesting because I've talked to enough people that are totally opposites on it.
0: I'll gut my deer right where it's at. <laughs> you do or don't? You I were do. yawning. Sorry, I'll Do's? gut my deer
1: right where it's at. Doe, buck, I don't care. You would gut a doe in way bottom? Yeah, I did. Really? Yeah, I've done two of them. I think and I don't know if it
2: actually makes a difference or not, but there's in nothing. certain spots, one, I'm not shooting a doe there anyways, but let's just say one runs a long ways and ends up right where I was hoping to chase a buck. I'm dragging that doe out at least a little ways away from there.
0: Why? Well, why? Would... What, is, what is? Because I think there's two different um, schools of thought and why people are asking. One, does the gut pile actually scare the deer, or is there another reason that you don't want the gut pile there?
2: Well, to me, okay. if, if that... If that deer died in a place where that deer has been really comfortable, and so that's what I'm saying is that this is a buck that I want to kill or something, and it's right in his core area, and the reason that he's hanging out in there is because he's comfortable. One, I think they can smell death uh, or know that obviously that there is a dead deer because we've seen, or elk or whatever, we've seen stuff fall over and they run. Like, they know that's not right. So I don't know if that would affect them that much or something, but also what it's going to bring, coyotes and stuff that are all over it that I don't want to impede them if to me if if i got a deer doing something that i want him to do i just want to try to harass him the least amount possible so i would just take go through the extra effort and drag him out drag her out of there a little ways which i also um this brings up perfect timing for you know whoever that moron was that said that we don't shoot does Mm -hmm. i got something oh my gosh you kn- Dads is and, much and more impressive. You can only get, you can don't be zooming in. People don't need my address, you creepers. Uh, <laughs> you can only get one buck tag, okay? Which you can for tell me right now. So where is it at? That means it's this one right here. That means oh, he doesn't have the measure thing. One, thing.
1: two, three, four, five,
2: six dough tags to start. That Good dude start. needs to do his research. My Why? goal is to beat your triple. Why I'm did try your, and get a
1: quadruple? Your in buck one tag sit. not have the measurement on it. Uh, I don't know.
0: I didn't look at it and see if mine does too. All
1: my dough tags have uh, just blank in
0: you the back. You guys got way off. You got off. T- you're you're like distracted today because we he were talking distracted. about gut piles and how that affects. When I don't you got off a- on your dough tag. So hold on. I would like to oh, chime yeah. in here. Dad needs to answer. And that is that I don't think that gut piles affect the deer. I I think you can have a gut pile laying there and the deer will walk around it. I don't think that they care too much about it. Now, I can say that I've shot a deer, had an arrow laying out there, and another deer walked up to it and it spooked them. Not like they left the country, you know, um, but they definitely knew that that meant something that was bad. And so they reacted to it. However, I agree with you on the predator part. I don't want to bring a whole bunch of predators into an area where, I mean, the last thing I need is the buck doing what he's supposed to be doing. Here he comes, and here comes a coyote to get a quick bite from something I left there. Um, typically for us, our gut piles ain't lasting more than a day or two. Yeah. 24 yeah. to 48 hours, and it's gone. And that, maybe that's because we have a high coyote population. We have buzzards, birds, all kinds of stuff, coons and Boxes possums. And, and
1: bobcats.
0: Everything. Yeah, but typically, they're not the lasting very long. So um, so as far as gutting an animal in a sensitive area, I I probably will err on the side of caution and move them a little bit, you know, but I'm still probably going to gut them in the field somewhere. But I'm right. going to assume, and when I say in the field, meaning out, not I'm not going to bring them. Um, if, I, if I have a place where I feel like I can gut deer, um, we have one creek bottom that we take a lot of deer to and gut them there. Um, and that works really good. And then you don't have to worry about it.
1: But yeah. I don't care to drag most my, mine came from uh, hunting alone as much as I was doing. I'm always not dragging some of those
0: things. Yeah. At I it. You're looking at another 25% it. added weight.
1: So no, thank you. I would gut it right where it was. at.
0: <laughs> so anyhow, that that's my two senses that it's, I don't think that if you, um, if you come across a gut pile on public land, let's just say, and you had, Wanted to put your stand somewhere within a few yards of it, and you were planning on hunting. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't scare me to death to be hunting there. Yep.
1: I've also, we've also watched like when me and you tripled on those does. The third doe was walking in between the two the dad had just shot. Right. And she's like, "Huh, this is odd." <laughs> Dunk shot her too.
0: Yeah. So sometimes they, they, you know, they just don't know what's going on. They don't. I mean, blood is one thing. If they walk right up to it, yeah. You know, so. Did just you have.
1: did you want to touch on just a quick strategy thing? I we're how long are time. We, we started. Know, we're right. We're probably
2: how long? Thirty nine. Yeah, I think let's oh. just go a quick, real quick on um, how we're going into the season and what our strategy is or approach, and maybe how it differs from last year because I know we had a lot of people that tuned into our October um, strategy stuff last year.
0: I think maybe we should talk about it because it's the, we, there's only one buck right now that I've, that I'm going, I would shoot that deer. So we're actually going into a season without a target buck, um, which I think is probably more the norm for most people than it is, you know, being able to say, okay, I've got this deer. And, and I, that's not a hundred percent true. I've got some other deer that are, Target deer, but they're not trophy class deer. Meaning, I'm not like
2: there's not one where you're really like, oh, oh I want to chase that
0: deer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I got two or three that I'm going. If that deer comes by, I will shoot him. You know, I, I know he's. We, we try to kill our deer when they're five. Yep. And we've got several deer that are five or six years old, but they're just not monsters. And that's okay. I, I'm just as. Uh, I mean, Shane is a perfect example. The deer he killed is big deer, but it's not a monster deer. But he knew he was six at least six years old, thinks he yeah. might even be seven.
2: And we're in Iowa, so when we say, I mean, to a lot of people, that's a monster. Absolutely. It was a one, well, you can't, I can't say that yet. Um, it was a, a really good deer.
0: It's a really good deer. But Just to
2: clarify, you can't say monsters. that because we're
1: doing the competition on social media, so we can't be giving you guys tricks. Yeah,
2: monsters, in our opinion, is probably 170, yeah. 80, 90 plus. So, yeah. um. Uh,
0: for sure. Okay. So, so strategy is hunt the doe. Right for right now, we're hunting. I, I can tell you what my strategy is going to be is I'm sticking close to my rub trees because my rub trees are already starting to see lots of action. Um, and for those people that aren't familiar with what the rub trees are, um, I don't. You just take a look at all of our. I think we've put out several videos and stuff like that talking about them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that's matter of fact. This evening I'll be where I can see one. Now my whole thing is to target a doe, but I actually know that there's a buck or two in the area that if they walk out I'll, and then the other one would be food plots. Um I'll I'll high concentration of deer on my food plots right now. The antler king food plots have come in well. And so I'll be sticking close to those in my rub trees and playing the wind.
2: Yep. Um I think this is an interesting year because in my opinion, personally, I think that I've seen more big big deer than any year I can remember in a long time. As far as our cameras go, though, that's not the case. The cameras have been really, really dry. And so, in my opinion, is what I think is going to happen. And then it's been unseasonably warm. It's been 90 until, I think, yesterday. Today is still probably...
0: 75.
2: Yeah, 75. So, um, there, I'm in the same boat. There's a couple mature deer that I would shoot and be... Happy with, but there's not like last year I had Magnum, you know. I was like, okay, but he didn't show up until the first day, but I knew that was going to happen. I knew that he was going to be show up late. And so I don't have a deer yet that I'm like, oh, that's that's the one. I have a couple from last year that I'm hoping are going to show back up. So my strategy, kind of, I guess, is I'm going to try and give them two weeks. And I got cheater cams out there, so I'll know if they show up. Um, try and give them two weeks, three weeks, and see if somebody. Somebody that really gets me excited shows up. Otherwise, I'll just um, film shoot me. a bunch of does, maybe film you and pursue, help Alyssa on the weekends and, and pursue, if nothing shows up by like the 20th, then I'll really start trying to hone in on just one of these mature deer and, and stick one One of them.
0: thing that you need to keep in mind, if you're hunting the Midwest or even, it, maybe it doesn't matter, but I think part of ours is going. what's going on on some of our farms is we got, it's a corn year. And so a lot of our deer could be in the corn that we're missing some bucks.
1: Oh, I know for a fact that right now I am going into this season having no idea how to hunt any of the land I've hunted for the past five years because this is the first time crops have grown. So <laughs> I, I actually have food on this place that I can't believe. So I have no idea where my deer are. it will not do nothing but help you, though. Oh, I think it'll help, too. But like I've got cornfields that are seven, eight feet tall. The, long, the record, I'd say, was maybe two feet in the past <laughs> There were some if, that were three. Okay, three feet. But full grown to harvest, you could see the deer standing out there still. Yeah. <laughs> so I have not a clue where my deer are. So what's your strategy then? I'm still on my kick of wanting to shoot a deer that I've, like, known for a little bit of, like, I've, I've no matter what he is, like, I have one that uh, was, I called him Elliot last year, and I, I think I'd known him the year before, but I can't I can't identify it for a hundred a percent. So last year I knew him and he was one antler and the other one it's not like it didn't grow, it just and I think it broke it off in velvet. Um and I I kept telling Joey, I was like, Yeah, you could shoot that buck if, if he comes by or whatever. Well, he came by multiple times, but he's always running around chasing somebody. And I said, Man, that deer really does have a pretty strong side for the side that he does have. I'd be curious to know if he has an injury or something um and if he'll grow normal next year. I didn't expect to be able to identify him this year. Um, if he did grow both antlers just because you're going off one side. And he showed up and he blew up too. Like he's he's not huge, but that deer I'd be super excited about because he he grew both sides this year and they're both super strong. He looks like a beast of a deer. I I would think, to be honest with you, he's probably four. Um I don't know super well, but that's a deer that I know and I'm and I think that I could get on him. The other one that I don't know, he he could be dead for all I know, is Elway from last year. He would be the top of my list just because of the history we have with him now. But I really don't have a strategy besides shooting does at the moment until I'm going to be in a spot where I've got some good winds to get into some areas um, and some better temperatures to So aggressive patience is pretty much all of our strategies. I'm not, I really, this last year, I was all sorts of freaking worked up about the season. And, oh, I've got a deer this caliber and stuff. And this year, it could still be the same deer. And to be honest with you, if, if Warren is right, the deer is going to be way bigger. If I'm right, he's going to be the same size, if not smaller. Um, so, but either way, I wouldn't care. Like, that would be really cool. I've known him now for three solid years on a, a place that and I have not passed him. I just flat out haven't been able to hunt him. Or get close to him, Besides with Joey, but right. so that would be cool for me to shoot something that I've known for that long.
0: Well, I think we've covered. I mean, those are the strategies, and strategies for us change throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have a, a weather I guess pattern
2: to say to what that strategy is. Is that I have several cell cams out. On some are on rub posts, and then some are on scrapes, and waiting just. And I can tell you right now from what I'm seeing so far, the deer are not moving that much at all. So I think here in the next few days, especially like Friday, if I had a a food plot and a big deer I wanted to kill, I'd be, I think I'd be buck hunting.
0: Right. But. Okay. Is that it? We, got every, we covered so. everything? You yes, got sir. your wacky facts for today?
1: Oh, uh, oh yeah. that's why I did two last you week. You need <laughs> to start coming up with a list, so you can just pull up your list. I do. It's called Google.
0: I can't believe that we're waiting on the wacky factor.
1: I have a wacky fact. Did you know a bull? Well, first off, the male seals are bulls. Did you know that?
0: I think I did. But I
1: guess it kind of makes sense, but I didn't know that. And then you turn around and... Think about how big those things are. So, like, just the regular furry, furry seals, you know? I don't know how big, like, the moms are and stuff. The males can be around 500 pounds. Yeah, they're big fat suckers. Freaking monsters. Yeah. There's a facky, a facky, fa- uh, facky fat fact. fat wacky fact. Yeah. There's Here, a, fact. Here's a
2: Here's a wacky fact. Daniel Jones was the most sacked <laughs> quarterback in the last 25 years. <laughs> We already knew I that. I made that up. but oh. He's just, the most sack quarterback in the league right now. I hope I hope his coach is a hunter and he's listening to this because he's a moron too. What a jerk.
1: That dude is out there just he, getting lasered. I feel bad for him. Everybody's uh, getting, Daniel Jones is getting so much flack right now.
2: For, I'm like, what do you want that dude to do? You could put freaking Tom Brady in there and Tom would have broke a leg. Tom would have said, I ain't doing this. Put the back up. him. Okay, here's a legit one though. Hunting unicorns is legal in Michigan. Say what you will about the existence of unicorns, but the Lake Superior State University definitely thinks they're legit. Bill Rabe established the Unicorn Hunters in nineteen seventy one as a PR stunt for Michigan for the Michigan University during this time. LSU offered a unicorn hunting license until Rabe's retirement in nineteen
0: eighty seven. <laughs> Sounds like So
2: it's, it's not they're admitting it's not legit. I, I don't know what the benefit of making that a PR stunt would be, but
0: Sort of it, like Bigfoot. See PR Bigfoot. I hope that's PR not a stunt. PR stunt. Oh yeah, it is a PR stunt. I do not believe in Bigfoot. I will go on the record and say Bigfoot is a hoax.
1: One day he will arrive. Dakin no, worked won't. here for like two years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't I don't doubt that we have several people running around that look just like the missing link and Dakin fits that, but I don't think that Bigfoot is a, a an actual being.
2: Yeah, he could if 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 anybody could talk to him though, Dak definitely can. He's Dakin, got the Dakin, uh, down.
0: Yeah, the two All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for leaving the the reviews. We appreciate you on this uh, Spotify. We appreciate you on the Instagram and uh, what are YouTube, all the, the face YouTube. world? Yeah, uh, there's been all kinds of stuff that you guys are taking. And because what I'm referring to is they were having to take a screenshot and then send it to Instagram or Facebook. Right? Because yep. we couldn't see him. I know that much. Only on Spotify. Right. Yeah. But YouTubers, good job. We'll get to you guys next week. Uh, Nick, quit laughing or I'll shoot you right in the foot this afternoon. <laughs>
1: good Lord. He's on a tangent of shooting things today.
0: Well, if he continues on, we need a new cameraman. I'd like we get one.
2: I'd like to see that at full draw on the tree stand, like trying to get to Nick's foot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be actually difficult. He no, would you'd be-
1: screw your bow up before you did that.
0: All right, well, thanks again, guys. We appreciate you for tuning in, and we'll keep sending in the different topics. We'll keep covering them, but right now it's whitetail season, so thank you guys for tuning in. and Get back out there and kill one.
2: Good luck.